We are starting a new series this week titled, Who is God? And I am super excited. There is no more important question than who is God, right? We need to make sure that our answer to that question is accurate so that we may know God better. A.W. Tozer says what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us because our soul, by some sort of secret law of the universe, our soul moves toward our image of God. In other words, we become like the God we imagine. Who we think God is shapes us. This is an extremely important question for us. Who is God? And so uh, let me ask you, what comes into your mind when you think about God? And where do you get that mental image? Where do you get that mental image? You know, we don't... uh, Left to ourselves, we will not automatically, uh, left to ourselves, we cannot know God. That's the reality. Because God is wholly other. We're creatures. And so we're bound by time and space. And, and, our, and our minds are, are limited. We, we think like creatures. And although we are uh, incredibly creative, we always start with what we know and then extrapolate out. But God is the creator. He dwells outside of time and space. And, and we will never get ourselves to God on our own. So we are dependent upon God revealing himself to us. And so answering the question, who is God, starts with humility. If you will not humble yourself, you cannot answer this question. Because you have to say, I I can't know God on my own. I am dependent upon him revealing himself to me. And we are Christians, and so we believe that God has revealed himself to us in his word, which is a, a record of God's deeds, his mighty deeds in history and his self revelation. And ultimately, he's revealed himself to us in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. God came in the flesh and walked amongst us, and the Bible records that for us, so that we may know God. But will we humble ourselves? I advertised this series this past week on Facebook, and uh, let me just read some of, I got a lot of comments. Some of them were unprintable, but here are a few. So to the question, who is God? So I had this, just a digital uh, image that Hannah uh, Paulston created for us, who is God, and so here are some comments. Which God? There are thousands of them. All mythology, too. Nathaniel writes, Well, God's an entity that no human can comprehend and therefore rejects it. Isaiah writes, He prefers to be called Chuck. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> Simon, no such person. David, my homeboy. Drew. Well, I'm going to skip that one. No, it's offensive. LJ, I am... Thanacorn, me. So, it was interesting, uh, these comments. You can go, actually, you can go out on Facebook and look at them. But it indicates that, I just read them and I thought, you know what? Uh, We have to, the only way we're going to answer the question is if we start with uh, humility and say, God, I want to know you and I am thankful that you have revealed yourself to me and I humble myself before your self-revelation. I'm going to let you tell me who you are rather than me tell you who I want you to be, which, of course, is 
is the, the man's uh, default, the pride of our hearts. We want to tell God who we think he should be, right? So will we humble ourselves during this series and allow God to tell us who he is? And of course, we are going to be uh, examining the Bible during this series and asking, what does the Bible tell us about who God is? Uh, and God has revealed himself um, very clearly. <coughs> Excuse me. Still getting over those holiday colds, right? God tells us that uh, the question of who he is, coming to understand him, is, is very important. There's no more important question. Jeremiah chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, I'm in chapter 9, verse 23. So this is God talking to us. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this. So here's God saying, you know what? Uh, You want something that's actually, uh, that I agree with you, is so significant it's worth boasting in. Here it is. You want to devote your your life to something of true significance that's truly boastworthy? Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. So God says, answering the question, who is God? So that you may have a personal relationship with me. You know what? That is truly significant. That's truly worth your time and energy. Do we properly value knowing God? Well, do we value it, and are we putting our time and energy to it? Or how many of us are just casual uh, about the question, who is God? That's one of the things I saw on the Facebook post. A lot of people who just, they're very casual about it. They're just not going to give any time and energy to it. But God says, no, it is, it's boast, boast worthy to understand and know me. Now, it's very important that we study about God so that we may know him, not not so that we have the answers in our small group and not so that we can win Trivial Pursuit and not so that we can be very interesting at the cocktail parties or get the label like I did in college, Bible Mike, as cool as that was. Somebody even printed it out and posted it on, uh, on my door. And I liked it. I left it up. <laughs> but that's not why we study about God. There are two things in this text. It says so, that he understands and knows me. Now, the understanding has to do with the Uh, the intellectual side, having a correct answer to the question of who is God. And so we want our our answer to that question to be increasingly accurate and increasingly uh, complete. But it's for the purpose of knowing him. That's the relational word. Come to know who I am so that you can relate to me better. God, God is in this for the relationship. He created us in his image so that we might be his friends. And the reason he has gone through such lengths to reveal himself, to disclose who he is as our creator, is so that we may know him and so that we can relate to him. And so it is my expectation and my desire and my hope that through this series, all of us will come to know God better and that our relationship with God will deepen. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, gives us, gives us um, a tip on how to uh, make sure that studying God doesn't just become sterile knowledge. He says, turn each truth that we learn about God into a matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise of God. 
So, in the upcoming weeks, as we look at God's sovereignty and His goodness and His love and His justice, not just so that we can take a test, but it's so that we can think more deeply about the God whom we love, appreciate Him more and praise Him more fully. You ready to do that during this series? All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, four benefits for right thinking about God. Thinking correctly about, about God has very practical life application, true everyday benefits. It's not just all kind of theoretical. Number one, right thinking about God helps us understand our place in the world. If I believe that I am a product of evolutionary random chance, then how am I going to think about myself? I won't believe that I have uh, any intrinsic value or purpose, right? Just only the value and purpose that I give to myself. And that's how I'll walk around and live my life. On the other hand, if I believe that God created me with a purpose, I, how will I? I will think of myself as, hey, uh, I'm a creature, I have a creator, uh, and someday I'm going to have to give an account of how I live my life to that creator. That's a very different way of understanding who I am and my place in the world. If, like many Hindus, I believe that uh, karma determines the state into which I'm born and that I deserve that because of what I've done in past lives, I, what will I, how will that affect my understanding of my place in the world? Well, I deserve my economic status. I deserve my social status. And actually, if I if I work to better myself or change my circumstances, I'm actually fighting karma and its divine uh, will for my life. And actually, if I fight karma, well, then, it's, you know, then I, I'm going to have a worse state in the next life. On the other hand, if I believe that God uh, grants those in his image authority to better the world around them, and in fact, that's what he's commanded us to do, then I'm going to say, hey, I start where I am, but I'm going to work to make a better life for myself and my family. How will I view other people? Well, if, if, I'm, if I have a karma belief, I will say other people are getting what they deserve. And so if you're less fortunate than I, well, hey, you shouldn't have screwed up in the last life, right? But as a Christian, I will say, wait a second, you know, I need to have compassion on them and I need to help them. So this stuff, you know, this stuff... Who is God? The answer to the question, who is God, works itself out very practically. In fact, go to India, and you can see what the answer to the Hindu answer to who is God looks like in Technicolor. Uh, go to Saudi Arabia and look what the answer to the question, who is God, looks like uh, the Muslim answer to who is God looks like in Technicolor. Go to Thailand if you want to see what the Buddhist answer to who is God looks like, you know, fleshed out. Here in the U.S., yes, postmodern or post-Christian America, but still, uh, largely we're 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 living on the fumes of of a Christian heritage. So you can see what a, what the Christian answer to who is God. Right thinking about God helps us understand our place in the world. Number two, right thinking about God helps us uh, endure life's hardships. <clears throat> if I believe that um, that bad things just happen and there's no reason for it, it's just kind of random, then I'll be fatalistic. Or if I, have a, if I believe that God is like uh, the watchmaker God of the, uh, the, the German theologians in the 1800s, 
God creates the world, but then he backs off and he just lets it run of, of, its, of its own accord. Am I going to pray when I'm hurting? Am I going to go to God and look for help? No. Uh, you know, my assumption is God is just, uh, where was I? The watchmaker God. Yes, okay, so the watchmaker God. If I believe in the watchmaker God, I'm not going to him for, for help. I'm figuring the watchmaker God expects me to uh, take care of myself, right? On the other hand, if I believe that God relates to me like a heavenly father, then I'm going to be running to him with my uh, problems and asking for and expecting God to help me in my life. If I believe that uh, bad things just happen, what if I believe like uh, the Jews did in the time of Christ, that you get what you deserve, right? Who, why is this man blind? Did he sin or his parents? It's got to be one of them, one of the two, because he's blind. And, and you get what you deserve in life. And Jesus said, neither his parents, uh, no, neither he nor his parents sinned. This happened so that God could be glorified through Jesus' healing of the man. So, but if I think that I get what I deserve, imagine if something terrible happens to my children. I'll spend the rest of my life wondering, you know, blaming myself. Wouldn't that be terrible? On the other hand, if I, if I believe that God works all things out for good to those who love him, then I'm going to have hope no matter what's going on in my life. And I'll take comfort in the fact that God is with me. And even though I don't see why, how it's working out for good, I'm going to trust that it is. And that's going to give me incredible comfort. Thirdly, right thinking about God helps us know how to behave. So, like some radical Muslims, if I think to myself, God's number one priority is for people to submit to him, and that he's willing to use force to bring that about, and as his follower, he wants me to force other people. I might strap a, uh, I might strap a bomb on my body and go blow somebody up, right? Uh, on the other hand, if I think, no, God wants people to love him of their own free will, then I'm going to limit my evangelism to appealing to people's conscience. Uh, if I, like some Buddhists, think that the way to uh, godliness is to sever attachments, I might conclude that the right thing to do is abandon my wife and children and go off to a monastery and spend my life meditating to nirvana. Right? has very different applications. On the other hand, if, if like, uh, as a Christian, I think, no, God is a God of love, and he calls me to, you know, love my wife and children. I'm going to stay. So these things have very, very practical a- applications. And then, um, does God have a, if I think that God doesn't even care how I live my life, that he doesn't have a sort of a moral will, and he's not going, he just doesn't even care how I live that I'm going to figure, or if I think there's no God, I'm going to just feel free to go do whatever I want to do. And I will decide whether something is good or bad for me or right or wrong for me. On the other hand, if I view God as a God with uh, a defined morality and that he has a way he wants me to live, then I'm going to try to figure that out and try to live accordingly so that I please him. Massive, massive uh, implications to these questions. So, Right thinking about God helps us understand our place in the world. Right thinking about God helps us uh, endure life's hardships. Right thinking about God helps us know how to behave. And finally, right thinking about God helps us enjoy God fully. 
So Sabrina was uh, <clears throat> reminding me recently about when she was a girl. She said, when I was a girl, I, I wanted to do right in God's eyes because I was scared of him. I, I granted that he was the creator, and, and I believed that he would hold me accountable, and, and I didn't want to displease him. Because of, but um, but my, my fundamentally, I, I thought that God had his hand up, and he was ready to bring that ruler down anytime I, anytime I missed the mark. And that God was fundamentally displeased with me and fundamentally kind of uh, against me. And so even though I tried to do what was right, uh, I didn't want to be near God. My vision, my image of God, Sabrina said, did not attract me to him. Yes, I was going to try to, uh, try to obey him, but from a distance, please. And that was especially acute whenever she messed up, right? Because when she messed up, she figured I'd better stay super far away until I get my life back, you know, on track. And then, when I'm feeling good enough, I can, you know, maybe approach God a little bit. But over time, as she studied the scriptures and her image of God became clearer and, and, and more accurate, she came to understand, wait a second. God's fundamental attitude toward me is one of rejoicing. He rejoices over me. He, he celebrates me. He's excited about me. He's pleased with me. And, and when I fail, which I do and I, and I will continue to do, uh, well, he, he wants to pick me up and dust me off and empower me to go out and live better. But, and she said that when I changed my uh, image of God, all of a sudden, I wanted to draw near to him. And it, it transformed her relationship. Chip Dodd says this, What we think about God shapes our whole relationship with him. What we believe God thinks about us determines how close we will grow toward him. This is so true. See, it's all about a relationship. And, and the reason God wants us to have a correct answer to the question, who is God, is because he knows that the the, 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 more, the more we truly understand who he is, the more drawn we will be to him, the more attracted we'll, we will be to him, the more we will want to run to him and experience his love and mercy and grace and joy in our lives. And when our image of God is distorted, it always interrupts the relationship. Let's go back to uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. And then he continues. Know, knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I, you hear, do you hear his heart? I want you to understand that I'm the God who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. If you understood who I really am, you would want to be with me all the time. You would want to be pressing into me. You would not want to run from me. You wouldn't fear me. Yes, you, you, it's appropriate to fear God in terms of understanding his power and who he is and, and, and uh, his, his place in our lives, but, but not so that we were, would run from him, but run to him. So I'm believing that in this series, uh, for all of us, God is going to use this series to help 
clarify, purify our understanding of who God is, our image of God, so that we will want to, um, we will rejoice in knowing him more. And that, that is a, that's a noble and an excellent goal, isn't it?